Wave Troubleshooters John Bowl, Natalia Martinez, and Mark Stevens take you behind the investigation on Wave Now. Welcome to another edition of Wave News Troubleshooters Behind the Investigation. Along with Natalia Martinez, I'm John Bowl. You know, you hear the term falling through the cracks in the judicial system didn't get justice a lot. I think to the point where a lot of people get numb to it sometimes when they see that. But we have a story we're going to talk about today that is so far over and beyond and above the falling through the cracks stories you've heard, where you can literally attribute a death of somebody to falling through the cracks. Let's uh, bring in Natalia right now and talk a little bit about your latest investigation. Uh, you're right. A person died because someone didn't do their job. That's essentially what happened here. So we're talking about um, a man named Fred O'Bannon, who was a highway maintenance worker, described as a wonderful guy by... Father of five. Father of five, loving family. Um, the people that worked with him, even the off-duty police officer said that he was... a wonderful guy, you know? Um, and so it's November 19th, he's sitting in his car on the Watterson near Dixie, the Dixie overpass. And a man named Keyshawn Watson, or I'm sorry, Keyshawn Stewart, uh, walks up, allegedly walks up and shoots O'Bannon, kills O'Bannon. And then he walks down to where an off-duty police sergeant was sitting in his car, making sure that people saw the lights for the for the construction. Like we zone. often see, monitoring a zone. Right, and the suspect then goes on to shoot that police officer in the face. Um, the bullet went in, shattered his jaw, um, and it was lodged in the back of his neck. Um, and so he he could have died. We could have had two deaths right. related to this. So. I immediately jump in and start wondering, who is this guy, right? Like, who's the suspect? Why would he just walk up to somebody, two people, and shoot them? Sounds crazy. Sounds crazy. Well, we'll get to that. There's some of that in this in the mix. But um, I found out that, that Keyshawn Stewart had a history, a criminal history. 2018, he gets arrested for burglary. Um, he was waiting outside of a man's home for his daughter to leave sees her leave, he goes in with a friend and just ransacked the place. I mean, $10,000 worth of damage. Just some things just didn't even make sense. Like they knocked over the dog food and the kitty litter. Just, um, it seemed to me like they just wanted to be jerks. Um, aside the, from the fact that they're robbing this person's home. So they steal a gun case that had 12 weapons inside. And so the man had security. He calls police. And when the officer gets there, he sees them loading this gun case into the car. So they notice police coming. They get in the car. They take off running. They crash the car and then run into people into the neighborhood. And Keyshawn was hiding under a shed when he was found by police. So... He gets convicted, so he's guilty. And this is the part of the story that gets really interesting because most people, if, if, if something like that happens in society, you automatically assume you're going to get some kind of prison time for that. He some kind of, correct, he did not. Judge mm -hmm. Olu Stevens found that he uh, ruled that he didn't think he could be rehabilitated via prison, so he mm -hmm. gave him probation. He gave him probation, uh, five years of probation. Gave him a stern talking to, uh, said, you know, stay out of trouble. 
and uh, we hope that we don't see you back here, uh, Mr. Stewart. Well, fast forward. So I, so I'm, I'm. We do a story with that history first, right? And so I go to the courthouse, and I'm gathering all these documents, and the prosecutor's paperwork to me seemed like a mess. Um, you know, I go through these files all the time, and there were just red flags. It seems like things were missing, um, and so that prompted me to look further. I reached out to the clerk's office and said, "Hey." Is there anything, any other documents related to this file? Because, you know, there's just, something's not right. Um, there were. So the clerk's office sends me a couple of other documents. I'm looking through them, and lo and behold, I see something, and I'm like, wait, what? It was a mention of Tennessee in one of, one of our documents in Louisville. And I said, in Tennessee? Like, what? Where did Tennessee come into the picture? Was he in Tennessee? So I go to the Tennessee Department of Corrections, type in his name, and lo and behold, guess who I find? Stewart. I found Stewart. I'm looking. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I look at the date of the, uh, of the arrest, and it was just months after he had been convicted and placed on probation here in Louisville. Right. So he gets that sentence. He goes to Tennessee. And he gets arrested again. But then my mouth dropped again when I looked at the charges. And one of them was for setting a fire inside of an office. Arson, at yes. A, yeah, at a car dealership. Okay, He drove his car through the windows of this car dealership, busted inside. It was late at night. And then sets a fire inside one of those offices. And then when the cop gets there, he attacks that yes. cop. This is, you know, the... Um, takes him, slams him up on the wall. Um, he smashed, like pulls him to the ground. He's um, struggling with the cop on top of glass. The cop's arms and his hands are all caught up, cut up. This is a Nashville police right. officer. Um, so months after getting really a get-out-of-jail-free card, a real lucky escape right. mm -hmm. for not having to serve any time. Mm -hmm. He commits a crime like this, which, mm -hmm. which kind of sounds half-crazy as well. He's, he's not getting jail time. He's not getting any mental health treatment of any kind. Well, so that's where this gets um, a little more interesting, but sad and tragic at the same time, um, because he was sentenced to four years probation in Tennessee, in Davidson County for those charges. He was convicted and he was guilty of that. Well, I immediately wondered, well, wait, he was on probation here, right? Right. So, so that should, you would think, the network of information we have in our society today, that that automatically gets communicated back here into Louisville. Right. So it didn't. Right. It didn't. His probation was never even brought up to be revoked. It should have been up to presented to the judge for Judge Olu Stevens to say, hey, okay, we're revoking him. Mm -hmm. you know. But it didn't even make it that far. Matter of fact, the Commonwealth Attorney's Office, so the prosecutor's office, didn't even know of those charges until we started poking around. Which raises a lot of questions. For instance, so when something like that happens, what's supposed to happen? Okay, what's supposed to happen is there's, um, there's this compact uh, agreement between states, and the suspect's information is supposed to be entered into that. Um, I found out that uh, Stewart's information wasn't entered until Tennessee entered him. Okay, um, 
And then the probation officer is supposed to create a supervision report. That is required by law. He's got 10 days, matter of fact, after learning of an, an incident involving a suspect, he's got 10 days to report that. Well, that report wasn't even made. Okay. It never happened. Okay. So I, I, I'm looking through the court record, and I see there were a couple of hearings that happened um, in between the time this was after the arrest in Tennessee, right? A couple so, of hearings here in Louisville? Right, yes. a couple of hearings here. Well, you know, because the probation officer at one time had said he absconded, like he's not coming to see me, I'm not, I've not heard from him. And, um, and so they were having hearings and discussing that, where they start talking about the treat, he's receiving mental health treatment in Tennessee. The probation officer, by the way, is not present. I don't know if he was listening on the line, but the judge calls for him. He's not present. And they're saying, well, Mr. Stewart is, his attorney is saying, Mr. Stewart is in a treatment facility. Um, he's getting treatment. His, he lives in Louisville, but his mom takes him to treatment in The Stewart's Tennessee. attorney know about what happened in Tennessee? Great question. He hasn't answered that. Okay, because if, isn't, is he not bound to tell somebody? No, he's no. not. No. So he can, can just hide the truth. Right. And so if he did know, he's not bound to report it by law, okay? But had somebody asked him point blank, did he get in trouble in Tennessee? He would have had to okay. respond yes. Okay. Okay. Um, but the prosecutor's also there. And they're talking about, oh, well, that's great. If he's in treatment, then let's discuss this so maybe we don't have to revoke his probation. Um, so that's, that's great news, right? Nobody asks what the heck he was doing in Tennessee. Right. He's supposed to be in Kentucky, right? right. He was supposed to be under right. probation. Right. There, are, there are so many stories I've heard over the years of people getting their probation revoked for minor little infractions. This and is in this a one, new felony. Yeah. A new felony conviction, and you don't get revoked. Right. Um, so here's the mom. I'm going to play you this clip here of the mom. Yeah, you interviewed the 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 mother of the victim, mm -hmm. Mr. Her name is Anita O'Bannon. Yes. She's sweet, wonderful lady, um, but she's mad, and I don't blame her. Um, here, let's listen to her. The system has failed. It has failed us. It has failed me. It has failed his kids. It has failed so many people. And it's not fair. My son had to pay the ultimate price of the system dropping the ball. I need some answers. I would like some answers. Not only for me, but for his kids. He had five kids. So that hearing, we're listening to this. Um, and Keyshawn Stewart, by the way, is there. Of course, you know what he says? What? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> right. He doesn't volunteer that information, even though he already knows at this point that he's been arrested in Tennessee. Yeah, and so, a major ordeal there. <laughs> and so here, let me play a clip of that hearing. At this time, the Commonwealth would remand its motion under the condition that the defendant remain uh, in the program, which I think he intends to do, um, and that obviously he continues with his reporting obligations, which he seems to have resumed um, appropriately. This is now a uh, judge. Keyshawn, you can hear us, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Judge, the only clarification is he has finished his inpatient. He is now in intensive outpatient program, and that's indefinite given his diagnosis. Mr. Stewart continue in inpatient treatment until release and that he uh, fulfilled his uh, pre-existing requirements on supervision, including his reporting requirements. 
the judge doesn't seem to have any idea. No. Right. And uh, but I just can't believe that nobody just asked what 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 why were you in right. Tennessee? Right. It, so, it was so fishy. Right. The right. Whole, the and whole your thing. mom is bringing you from Louisville to Tennessee. So I'm interested more in. O'Bannon's mother, she mm-hmm. she has taken this a lot better than I than I would have, and I think a lot of the people viewing or listening mm-hmm. to this would have taken. It. Well, I think she internalizes it. Um, I think that she was very frustrated with, uh, obviously, with what happened here, but also Keyshawn when he was arrested for the for her son's murder. Um, you know, he refused to show up to court. Yeah, Do you remember a couple this? of times. Yeah, a couple of times. So he he was supposed to go to his arraignment. He's like, nah, I don't feel like going. Right. And the judge didn't, the judge didn't require it until the third or fourth time, yeah. Right. Right. And so she was frustrated then. Um, and and then when I had to make the call to her to tell her what I found, that her, the suspect accused of killing her son was never revoked, even though he got a new felony conviction, it just broke my heart to have to tell her that. So who's to blame in this? What the finger of blame at this point in your investigation goes where to, to the off- well, probation officer? That's where. Um, that's what. That's where I think the problem may yes. lie. I don't know a hundred percent for sure. I mentioned that the prosecutor's paperwork seemed uh, messy, and that's what prompted me to look further in the first place. But I don't know if she knew that he had been arrested. Um, now, either way, though, that probation officer was required to make that report, um, and he doesn't make that report until after the fatal shooting this past November. And I have a copy of that report, and I was just going to read you what he says, because now that you've heard the hearing, you can kind of hear it yourself. He says, on November 5th, Mr. Stewart was before the court for a revocation hearing, Mr. Stewart violated his probation by absconding on, in July of 2020. On that same date of the hearing, he refers, the pending charges in Tennessee were discussed during those proceedings. Charges. In that hearing, that clip, yep. nobody seems to know or discuss no. any charges. No. I listened to the whole thing. And by the way, the hearing was actually on November 4th not November 5th, which is what he wrote here. Wouldn't Judge Olu Stevens be able to tell you if, if it was discussed? It, well, I have a copy of the hearing. It wasn't. What has Judge Stevens had to say about all nothing. this? Nothing. I've emailed him, called him. I spoke with his, uh, with his court assistant. Nothing. He's not responded to any of my questions. Neither has the probation officer. I called and called and called just wondering, okay, well, did you tell the prosecutor? Did you tell the judge? Did you make this report and maybe handed it to the prosecutor and, and it never made it to the Commonwealth? Um, you know, I... Maybe. Well, obviously, in this business, people not returning repeated calls speaks volumes about what's going on. Yeah, and you know, when I started asking the because he didn't answer, I then contacted the Department of Corrections, which is oversees probation and parole throughout the state, um, and I sent them all of my questions and what I have found, and then they wrote back about two weeks later saying. Um, he's been placed on administrative leave 
and we're conducting an internal investigation. Could this be a case? I've been watching a lot of uh, movies and TV lately, and when they prof- when they when they do profiles of uh, the the relationship between the probation officer and the client, a lot of times the probation officer will buddy up, kind of be an advocate for the person that they're supposed to be reporting on. Could it be a situation like that, perhaps? I I don't know, but I can tell you that during one of the during that same hearing that you just heard, um, the judge asks his defense attorney, Stewart's defense attorney, hey, is uh, is Mr. Mole, the probation officer, is he looped into this? And the attorney says, no, judge, he's not, but I've spoken to him, and he said that Keyshawn is now coming back and checking in with him and following the rules of the probation. So there were communications, and it and the prosecutor also says that the probation officer had told her that he had spoken with Keyshawn and that he was reporting again. So what happened? Did this probation officer just the paperwork just went through the wayside? Um, you know, did did he file something that maybe slipped through the cracks? Also, this was. During the time of COVID, everybody was working, you know, just from home or different places. I don't know if that's the case here, right. but things were wonky, right? Okay. So, okay. So as we wrap this up, the, the the takeaways and what you have left now in this investigation. Well, we need to find out what happened yeah. um, in this particular case. But now that's opened the door. This is one case that one reporter happened to catch. Right, it really makes you wonder about probation officer communication. Exactly. Imagine if this happened, we happen to catch it. Just just one example. Only because it ended in a tragedy. Right. Right. Imagine all the other things that are falling through the cracks that people who may pose a danger, but we never hear about because, you know, it... It's uh, not every day that a highway maintenance worker doing his job, sitting in his truck, gets shot, and then a cop that's sitting in his car, you know, just with his lights on and and doing his thing, off duty, he got shot in the face. So if you, in your circle of life, know of a situation that you want us to investigate like that, there's got to be many more of them out there. Contact the Wave News troubleshooters. Uh, great work as always. Thank I mean, that, that is just unbelievable, and it's gonna, I got a feeling it's going to continue to get more unbelievable well, as we go here. It just it, it fuels me when I know that this. I feel Miss Anita's pain. Yeah. And you know, this officer has gone through something traumatic. Yes. Um, he came close. <laughs> yes. Just inches. Shot um, in the face. And it really makes me mad that we have such deficiencies in our system that we are putting people in direct danger. This is an example of two people who had to suffer because of it. We need to fix it. Yes. So if we need checks and balances, let's do it. If we need, you know, uh, an overhaul of the probation and parole system, we have to do it. It just seems so simple to catch this at its core. And it was not caught. It wasn't caught. All right. Thank you again for joining us for Wave Troubleshooters Behind the Investigation, along with Natalia Martinez. I'm John Bull. Tune in next time. We've got more coming for you very soon.